brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history, so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts, offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. It's the awesome NFL DFS strategy show. And whoa, my voice went out as soon as we started that. It was like, we, we were talking before the show was going, there was no issues. Then we start to go to the show and all of a sudden there's there's something stuck in my, in my throat. But all right, resetting that. NFL DFS strategy show, week 12 final look show sponsored by Yahoo. Greg Ehrenberg here, joined by Jeff Ulrich. So Jeff, since apparently I'm having issues speaking right now, why don't you tell the people what they could do to the like button to help us out with the channel here? Yeah, Greg's been hacking darts all Thanksgiving. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, no, hit that like button, guys. It'd be awesome if we could get over 100 here. Let's get let's hit 50 and then we can get over 100. But definitely appreciate you guys showing up. Hope everyone's having a great Thanksgiving. And uh, Greg and I are here to break down what uh, I think is actually setting up to be a pretty interesting slate. So, yeah, for sure. And don't forget to subscribe to the YouTube channel and subscribe to the podcast network. If you're tired of looking at Jeff and I's faces, we have a solution. Go subscribe to the Awesome Podcast Network and you can listen to all of our great content without having to look at us. Uh, so let's start, as per usual, Jeff, at the quarterback position. I'm going to put you a little bit on the spot here to start the show. Jeff, you actually have fairly high ownership at the quarterback position relative to other weeks. So on the high end, we've got Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes both coming in over 10% ownership. Of the two, which do you think is the better play to pay up for? And who would you rather roster in a cash game? Yeah, I am ready to go this week, <laughs> Greg, because I am all in on Patrick Mahomes. Um, he is he is actually he is one of the higher projected owned, but he's still like four or five percent projected under Josh Allen. Uh, it's not that I don't like Josh Allen necessarily, but I think there's a bigger bust factor there. Uh, you've got Tampa Bay coming in. I'm not sure people have 100% picked up on this. I think people are picking up on it, but Tampa Bay is regressing to a, a, a their past funnel defense. This is what we saw for them from them like the last two years. We didn't see it from them the first six or eight weeks of this year, but the last couple of weeks, it's been that Tampa Bay defense again. You can you can't run on them, but you can pass. And Jared Goff, like 376 yards, like his best game of the season. The wide receivers for the Rams, like 275 yards from Cup and Woods alone. Um, I'm going Patrick Mahomes here because I just think that Kansas City is going to be throwing the ball the entire game. And I do think that uh, Tampa Bay is going to be able to put up at least a few points to, to make this one just go over the numbers. So um, I get why people all, all over Josh Allen, Justin Herbert. I like those guys, but... I think there's more potential here for Patrick Mahomes to have a big game. So I'm just saying Patrick Mahomes and everything. One note on the, on that Bills Chargers game, and if you go to Odd Shopper on, on Osmo.com, you can compare the odds across different sites. The Bills only four-point favorites at home against the Chargers. Chargers also banged up. Ingram's out. Casey Hayward's out. That that number feels like it should be a little bit wider to me. I Actually, I placed a bet on the Bills. Four points just doesn't seem wide enough. I think that as good as Justin Herbert has been this year, the Chargers are still not a very good team. And yeah. I think I think that people, there's a little bit of too much bias just towards Josh Herbert and some of the big numbers he's putting up. Do, do you feel that number's a little uh, too too close as well? So it's funny because early in the week, the number was like six. I think it actually got up to six and a half at one point. 
And I really like the Chargers. I actually wrote it up in my early week betting preview. Like I like, I really like the Chargers at plus six, plus six and a half, maybe even pay for the extra points for plus seven at plus four. I mean, first of all, if you got them a plus six and a half or something, you can now middle, right? Which is probably what you should do. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, at, at plus four, yeah, I, I don't think I can hit the Chargers at that number. They have been really good at keeping games close under Justin Herbert. Like, they, I think they have, like, one loss by more than eight points or something uh, of all their losses on the year. So it's something to keep in mind. Like, I don't love the Bills spot. Um, I do think this is going to be a closer game than people think. But, you know, at, at plus four, you're right. I think you are right. Like, at this point, you've got to swing back to the Bills because it's not like the Chargers are a good team at closing out games. So, um, Josh Allen's played really good. You got to give him some respect, especially coming off the bye. So, and the Bills also have a strong defense. I mean, it, one thing that's interesting, we haven't really seen Herbert struggle at all this year. This could be the spot where I think we finally see him have an off game. Uh, and then also, like we said, I mean, the, the Bills going up against a pretty banged up Chargers defense, I don't think they're going to have that much trouble putting yeah. points up on the board. He did struggle against Miami. Like, Herbert did struggle against Miami, another AFC East opponent. I'm still not sold on the Bills defense being like super elite, but. Their pass rush has been a lot better this year. Uh, that's that's kind of one thing that I think that's really uh, kept them sort of in games because they have given up. Like, they, they've had trouble without Matt Milano in there. Uh, you know, tight end, RB position. So it'll be interesting. If they can't take down Herbert, I, I actually kind of disagree with you a little bit. I think Herbert, this is actually an okay spot for him. But, you know, the, the, the Bills defense definitely, if, if they can get to him early, especially with, it's going to be mainly about the pass rush. Um, I think they could give him the similar troubles that Miami did. But, I'm I'm more bullish on Herbert probably than you, it sounds like. And uh, I think that going Herbert over Josh Allen and GVPs is probably the way I would go. Just mainly, again, we're just talking ownership. Uh, he's a little bit cheaper too, though. Yeah, there's actually a different pivot play I like in that same price point. That's Kyler Murray at 8,200 against the Patriots. Kyler Murray and Justin Herbert actually have nearly identical ownership, both coming in around 6%. I mean, we just look at upside. And whenever Kyler Murray, we've had a few slates this year where Kyler Murray just doesn't pick up ownership. And I always think it makes sense to go there. He scored over 20 fantasy points in every single game this season. He averages right around 30. And for as good of a fantasy producer as he's been, I just don't think he should ever go lower on the Patriots defense. I understand that after last year, they had this reputation of a team you just couldn't score fantasy points on. It hasn't really been the case this year. They're a much more mediocre team. And the other thing also is the offense is so much worse with Cam Newton as opposed to Tom Brady, a quarterback. The teams get set up in better field position all the time against the Patriots. So I think that Kyler Murray is somebody going overlooked. And I think that he's a guy to pivot uh, to, to pivot off of Mahomes and Allen with. Do you have any Kyler Murray takes for this week? No, that's pretty much my, my take. I mean, if you re, if you go to Osimo, we, uh, we do a preview article of just uh, using the projections and, and players that pop up and, for the contrarian sort of DFS stack that I targeted this week, it was Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins. Um, and pretty much everything you said, uh, I, you know, was was my thinking in the article as well. He's going to be half the ownership. Uh, the Patriots aren't exactly the defense that they were last year. It's not a bad matchup. And 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 in the passing game, you know, Stephon Gilmore is having a terrible year, like terrible year. Uh, he's basically been a lot of the reason why they've, they've been allowing like big pass games to guys like Joe Flacco lately. So, um, Lamar Jackson has been, had been terrible as a passer this year, but he had, I think, maybe his biggest game of the year against the Patriots. This is definitely a spot where, you know, DeAndre Hopkins, um, Kyler Murray can get off a little bit. And again, we don't even need Kyler Murray to get off as a passer, right? So um, absolutely. No, I agree 100%. Um, you know, between Herbert and Murray at that at that price tag, it is it is a little bit close, but um, I think, you know, a lot of this, a lot of the slate for me is going to depend on Austin Eckler. I do think Eckler being back bumps Herbert's uh, upset up a little bit too, but at the same time, I mean, he is a good rusher. So, you know, maybe that works against him, but uh, I, I think Herbert and Eckler uh, are going to be a real dynamic duo. And um, I think that's going to bump up Herbert's upside a bit. So that's news I'm waiting on uh, before I make any final decisions. Yeah, I agree with you. And I, I have some Eckler takes also if he ends up playing this week. Yeah. Uh, we'll get Most to that when we get to running backs. Um, but yeah, that's that's that more or less my take too. Uh, <laughs> not to get too far ahead of ourselves, but how many times this, this year have we seen marquee running backs come back from injury, not really pick up much ownership, and then just crush the slate? It seems yep. to happen every single time we see one of these, you know, super involved running backs in the past game and the run game come back from injury, end up not being limited the first game back and crush. So I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but yeah, I agree. I think the Chargers offense is helped as a whole if Eckler is back in action. Uh, one more chalk quarterback, the other guy who's projected for over 10% ownership on this slate is Derek Carr. 
coming off a really good game against the Chiefs, wasn't able to win the game in a way that was kind of inevitable feeling, right? I mean, Mahomes got the ball with like 40 seconds left or something like that. And it was like, hey, the, the Chiefs are going to march down the field and score a touchdown here. I actually think that this is how crazy it was. So the Chiefs get the ball in that game with what was it, like 50 seconds, a minute yeah, left it might or have something. Been like a minute, but one it time out. More than a minute, yeah. So I go look at the live lines and I'm like, you know, this might be a good spot to bet the Chiefs because I think they're going to score here. They're favorites at that point on the live line. And then I'm like, well, I can't bet them the favorites. I thought I thought there'd be I thought there'd be a decent yeah. price on them. No kidding. Um, but but as it relates to Derek Carr, he played well that game. Overall, he's having a pretty solid year. The Raiders are a good team. Yep. Favorable matchup against the Falcons. If I'm rostering any quarterback sub 6K to save salary with, I think that Terry Carr making Raiders stacks is the way to go. Do you agree with that? Or do you think he's going a little bit over-owned? No, I, I, I mean, look, there's, there's two things that go into Derek Carr this week. One is just everybody passes on Atlanta, right? Everybody does. Um, the one like little fear of a Derek Carr stat I'll throw out is, you know, when the Raiders have won, Derek Carr hasn't done much for fantasy. He hasn't had to do much. He, like they just run the ball a lot in the end of game scenario. All his big games have come in Raider losses. They're obviously favored here against Atlanta. Um, it's not, it's not a big fan. It's not a big number though. So I guess you don't have to worry about it too much, but again, if this was anyone else and they were favored, I'd be like, no, I, I do not want the Derek Carr chalk, but it, obviously it's Atlanta. And again, like everybody passes against Atlanta. So I really feel like it's, you're probably okay with Derek Carr. And the other factor is like, really who else are you taking under six K this week? Um, there's like, like I'm not playing Tua, like not a frick, not a chance, man. Like, I don't know. I can't believe Tua is up there in fourth in our projections. And I kind of believe it just because everybody wants to play people against the jets, but I do not think that is a good play at all. Um, he has not looked good. He's got a banged up thumb. Um, look, I, and I, long-term prospects, I'm sure he'll be fine. I'm not trying to like, you know, hype on Tua's like this huge bust already. It's just, he's not looked good. He's got the jets on the road which, you know, again, it's still the Jets. I get it. But, like, uh, I, I just don't really see the upside there, quite frankly. I think if Miami wins that game, it's going to be ugly. So so let's talk about the Dolphins for a second, though, because, too, like you said, the thumb injury, he was limited in practice on Friday. He's considered questionable. It seems that there is definite doubt about whether he's going to play or not. Mm -hmm. I think it's a coin flip at this point. And the other thing, too, is, you know, the Dolphins have a capable backup in Ryan Fitzpatrick, and they have no problem going to Fitzpatrick if Tua isn't healthy enough to play. And given some of the injury history of Tua – I think that if he isn't totally 100% healthy by the time Sunday comes around, I think they probably roll with Fitzpatrick at quarterback. If that does end up being the case, how would you feel about Fitzpatrick and potentially stacking the Dolphins passing game if he's a quarterback? Would you feel better about it in that case? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I'd feel at least a little bit better about it. Um, you know, Fitzpatrick, 5,500, just to double check there. But yeah, it's, it, you know, it, I think it, it's definitely, you have to feel like the upside is better. I mean, A, you're, you're getting a, a better price, so you don't need quite as much production. But, um, you know, it, Fitzpatrick has, has been pretty good in spots. It's still not like a spot I necessarily love. I mean, uh, the, the, the Miami offense as a whole has been a little bit underwhelming. I know, obviously, Fitzpatrick has ha had some big weeks, but I guess I'm a little bit, I'd still be a little, little bit hesitant just because you know, you've got a player coming in cold a little bit. Uh, again, I, I know it's Fitzpatrick and he's a veteran. He's probably going to be fine, but uh, I, I feel like it's a little bit more risky spot just because of that. So I'd be much more interested if Fitzpatrick's playing hundred um, percent, but uh, it's still maybe not my favorite spot, but that, that'll be definitely interesting one to watch. I hope to a place because a, I want people to use them and B, I don't want to have to think about switching off to Ryan Fitzpatrick stacks. So that's my hope that uh, two ends up playing. So let me read off to you the fantasy point totals for Ryan Fitzpatrick in his last six starts. 27 fantasy points, 25, 26, 31, and 18. So Ryan Fitzpatrick, from a fantasy perspective, has been pretty good this year. Yeah. Obviously, last game against the Broncos, he came in in relief of Tua, so uh, didn't really get yeah. much fantasy production okay. there. Uh, but still, I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick, all things considered, he's been pretty good for fantasy this year and certainly much better than you'd expect for a quarterback who's been benched. I think there's upside there against the Jets. Uh, the, the biggest concern is really game script because the Dolphins favored by about a touchdown. They could easily just smash the Jets and not have to run the ball in the second half. Uh, that in the Jets play at just a ridiculously slow pace because Adam Gase, not only does he yeah. coach a terrible football team, he coaches an unwatchable football team. Yeah. He plays at a slow pace and it is not fun to watch. So that, that, that would be my biggest concern with Fitzpatrick. Yeah, um, it's, not, it's not a great game environment. That, that's yeah. a good point, yeah. Um, any other quarterbacks that really stand out to you this weekend? No, I mean, it, it really does feel like, 
you know, the, and the nice thing is if you're really committed to one of these high, um, high priced running backs or, or quarterbacks, excuse me, like if you really like Kyler Murray, you can just go all in on Kyler Murray. Cause I feel like, you know, I know Josh Allen is, and he's, he's probably going to definitely be the chalkiest quarterback on the slate. But even if you like Josh Allen, you know, Mahomes is up there. Murray's up there. Like these guys are going to suck ownership away from each other. So I think that's a good thing. I think you're going to get some really good ownership on a lot of these uh, high priced guys, which we like. Cause when you're paying up for a guy that much, you don't want to take the, you know, you, you would like palatable ownership, right. For, for GPPs. And I think you're going to get that. So I mentioned, uh, it's an interesting slate for that purpose. Oh, I, we should probably talk about one dude, um, Taysom Hill. Like, you got any interest in 6,200? Or... So, I talked, yeah. I, talked, I can't remember who I talked to. I thought it was you, but it wasn't you. Somebody I talked to really liked the spot for him, but I don't know. Like, I, I, I get it. Like, he's still kind of cheap for a running quarterback, but I don't know. I don't really know if I want to play him at 6,200. Yeah, so I think he's a fair play. And actually, I was going to use him to transition into the running back position for a very specific reason, because Taysom Hill really changed the outlook of the Saints offense and how they play. Most notably, Alvin Kamara only one target last week. Yeah. And it's hard to know because we only have one start from Taysom Hill. And by the way, he actually looked competent throwing the football, which was yep. really surprised, which was really surprising. They uh, averaged 10 yards per pass attempt. Didn't necessarily look the greatest throwing the ball downfield. They had one big long field completion, which is kind of every day. We rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers heaved in the air and hung in the air forever but ended up being caught anyway uh but I mean he looked pretty decent throwing short passes and looked better as the game went along because the first quarter and a half he looked fairly miserable and then got more comfortable as the game went on they also opened it up a little bit because the, the first quarter was nothing but screen passes it was just Sean Payton was like hey we're gonna we're just gonna run screen passes with Taysom Hill every single time he's out there and at that point I was really questioning like what, what's the point of starting Taysom Hill he wasn't running the ball at that point in time. They weren't no. even letting him throw screen. They weren't even letting him throw slant passes to Michael Thomas. It was just, hey, we're, we're throwing these little dink and, dink and dunk two-yard passes. And, and they didn't even have Kamara involved. So uh, given how Taysom Hill looked in the second half of the game, I'm, I'm willing to roster him at 6,200. Uh, not really a core play for me, but I'm going to have him in my player pool. But to me, where he really has the biggest impact is how I view Alvin Kamara. And we can right. talk about that as we head to the running back position. Because as I said, only one target for Kamara. And is that a fluke? Is that going to be the thing going forward with Hill at quarterback? I'm not totally sure, except it's enough for me to say that there's way too much risk for me to want to roster Kamara this week. How do you feel about him? Yeah, pretty much. Like, honestly, I haven't thought about Alvin Kamara much this week. Um, it's for every, pretty much everything you just went over. Um, you know, you look at, and, and look, we do have precedent for this, right? Like we have Lamar Jackson to go off of. And, and um, you know, it's just, it's a similar situation to the running backs in Baltimore. Um, they, they, get, they get their red zone usage pip. They, get, they don't get as many passes because uh, Taysom Hill is taking 10 plus carries uh, in a game and he, he's just does, isn't going to work the screen passes as efficiently as Drew Brees. So um, it's just a very, very similar situation in my opinion. Could he have a big game? Absolutely. Um, I think that if you're going to play Taysom Hill, playing him with Alvin Kamara might be an interesting stack because you're getting exposure to all the Saints touchdowns. Uh, I think that's probably a good way to go go about it. I know I've had success in the past going with things like that, but, um, you know, Russ and Lynch, I know, uh, Marshawn Lynch, just thinking back, had, had a couple of big games. But, um, you know, it, it's not a good correlation spot, probably long-term is what you'd say. So, yeah, I think like a, a Camara Taysom Hill stack is going to be really low on this week. I think it's got potential. Uh, I also think it's got a high chance that Camara at 8,200 just is a massive bust. So, um, no, I don't have too much interest. Again, we got a lot of high-priced quarterbacks too. They're in good spots. So, um, yeah, like you, I might work in like a little bit, but um, it's just not that high on my list this week. All right, today's show is sponsored by Yahoo Daily Fantasy Sports, the most trusted name in fantasy sports. Yahoo DFS now includes CSV upload and CSV edit features for those looking to play multiple lineups. Make better choices. Choose Yahoo Daily Fantasy. So once again, it's a chalk Dalvin Cook week. He's been absolutely smashing lately. And the other thing, too, with Dalvin Cook is, is the floor has been so high. 
Um, game against the Bears, notwithstanding, other than that, 29 fantasy points last week against the Cowboys. The games before that, 42 against the Lions, 51 against the Packers, uh, 20 against the Seahawks, 31 against the against Houston, then 30 against the Titans. I don't think you could fade Dalvin Cook in cash games. I think you just have to start with him in the lineups because the combination of ceiling and floor is too high. That And every other week, he's just breaking the slate. If he scores 40 fantasy points again, you don't play him in cash, then you've lost for the week. Uh, for GPPs, I do have some interest in stacking the Vikings passing game. I think that's a good way right. to get leverage off Dalvin Cook, which, by the way, is not ga- garnering much ownership this week. That's one of the top winning lineups from last week is people who went with Kirk Cousins, Adam Thielen, in in lieu of, of rostering Dalvin Cook. So I think that is another decent way to go. But still, for cash games, I think you have to play Dalvin Cook. Uh, for tournaments, with him around 30%, how much exposure are you willing to get to him? Yeah, it's it's a little bit of a catch-22. Like, you want – again, we have, like, higher-priced quarterback wide receiver stacks to pay up for, right? Like, Diggs-Allen costs a lot. Hard to, hard to smash Cooks in there uh, with those guys, right? So it's a little bit of a dilemma this week. Um, at the same time, like, he's playing Carolina. He's so consistent. Um, it, it's not really a spot – it's not really, like, my favorite spot to go – to go with the, the Vikings pasty. Like, I think I'd rather just be overweight Dalvin cook. So, um, but there, there's some interesting enough, there's an interesting enough plays, I think for, for GPPs in the mid range where I, I feel like, you know, just making lineups with them again. And we're talking about like high priced quarterback wide receiver stacks. So not necessarily getting leverage on him with the Minnesota passing game, but using other uh, heavy passing stack games where, I think there's enough going on in the mid range and enough upside with a couple guys that I can definitely get behind, uh, you know, being a little bit underweight on him or something like that, or, or fading him in like a single entry or something this week. I can get behind that. I'm probably going to do that in some of my lineups. Um, at the same time, I, I'm not interested in necessarily going overweight on like Kirk cousins and, and that game to, to be underweight Dalvin cook. So definitely like, you know, would rather be overweight, but um, I'm still going to be fading him in some spots. So you mentioned that there are some mid-range running backs you like. By chance, is one of them James Robinson? Because I like James Robinson this week. Uh, the Browns' defense is dealing with some injuries. And for for Robinson, as bad as the Jaguars' offense is, he's been pretty decent this year. I mean, he's involved yeah. in the pass game. He's involved in the run game. We've seen him get as many as six targets this year. We've seen him have big run games, even in poor game scripts. There was a game that the Jaguars lost to the Chargers by 10 points. And still in that game, we saw we saw Robinson run for 119 yards. So given some of these injuries to the Browns defense, is Robinson one of those mid-range running backs that you're targeting? Yeah, I, I still like, like, I, I understand. I, look, the, the model loves James Robinson. And, and look, if Austin Eckler doesn't play this week, I'm probably going to have, have to have some exposure. Obviously, it's a little scary, like Mike Glennon starting. I mean, this, but but you're right. And this is why the model likes him so much. We've seen the Jaguars bust before and have terrible games. And James Robinson still gets 20 plus touches. Like he's getting touches no matter what here, folks. Um, so it, it's, it's a real safe spot. Obviously the salary has something to do with it at 6,300 is another reason why he's so high up. I think he's got the best value score by far in the model of anyone, uh, anyone at the RB position. And I think from a projection standpoint, he's actually breaks out second. So like we're talking like Dalvin Cook, then James Robinson here from the rankings. So there's a lot to like about him just from a pure, um, you know, how he's projecting out perspective. I'm a little wary again. um, I really want Eckler to play because I'd rather just go overweight Austin Eckler. Um, But, you know, if, if he doesn't play again, like we just don't have that many options. I mean, like, yeah, I can definitely see myself going a little bit overweight, maybe Jonathan Taylor. Um, I, I think he's got potential. Uh, I do like Kareem Hunt at 5,600 quite a bit. Uh, that's another RB uh, in there that I'm definitely, uh, you know, high on. But, you know, again, if Eckler doesn't play, um, I think I just, you're probably just going to have to force yourself to, 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 be, uh, to be at least feel like level on, on James Robinson here. So, so let's talk a little bit more about Austin Eckler because I'm on board with you. I, I like Eckler a lot if he plays. He was somebody also who I, who I wrote up in my, in my Slam Go article this week for Osmo. And it, it's it's that coming back from the hamstring injury, it's a little bit of a concern. But at the same time, too, they've been so cautious with him. And yep. they've really taken their time letting, letting him come back. So if we hear that he's not going to be restricted at all, I'm, I'm all for Austin, Austin Eckler this week. He's cheaper than he was earlier in the season. Involved in the pass game, involved in the run game. I, I think that Eckler is, is a really strong play, especially considering he's projecting for under 1% ownership right now. And then, like I said at the top of the show also, 
think when Dalvin Cook first came back from injury, when Christian McCaffrey first came back from injury, people just didn't want to play these guys coming back. And the reality is that even if you're a little concerned about the health of Austin Eckler, you build 20 lineups, you put him in two of them, you're like 10x the field on Austin Eckler, and you're getting you're getting a guy who has a chance, if all goes well, to actually win a slate and break a GPP. So I think that Eckler is a really strong tournament play, assuming we get favorable news on him. Is that about what your feelings are with him? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is a player who said he was kind of getting ready to play like three weeks ago, right? So I think you're spot on with the, they're taking their time with him. Um, you know, Anthony Lynn likes to run the ball too. He likes to use his running backs in a lot of different situations. I don't think he's necessarily been able to do that. And I don't think he's going to be able to help himself if Austin Eckler's out there. Like, I think he's going to be playing Austin Eckler. So I'm not really that worried about the workload uh, if he's active, because again, the other options they have at this point, I don't really think Anthony Lynn likes any of them. Um, I think he's just had to play them. Right. So I'm, I'm pretty bullish on this spot too. Uh, I think we're definitely like in agreement there. And I'm going to throw out a couple other names here. Raheem Mostert. What if he plays? Any interest? Uh, no, he was not somebody I'd considered. I, the other thing, too, is it's tough to roster running backs against the Rams. And the yeah. thing also, it's it's such a bad game script because the 49ers offense right now is bad. The Rams are playing pretty well. So I think there's a good chance that the 49ers get down behind in this game. And then I'll have to look up the targets for Mostert really quick. But I, he he hasn't been all that involved in the passing game this season off the yeah. top of my head. And if they get down, it's probably going to be, you know, like McKinnon or somebody else that's going to be catching those passes. So with, with that in mind, I just don't think this is a good start, a uh, good spot for so, Raheem Mostert. So the lead running back for San Francisco has gotten at least 13 carries in each of their last five games. Um, I, I mean, look, it is the Rams The like from a matchup perspective, I definitely get it. The same time, like Mostert when he's been healthy, has looked terrific this year. Like he, if, if he had been able to take a big workload, I really feel like he, we'd be talking about him as like an almost in every game, almost in every game slate. Like, you know, if Garoppolo is healthy and all that stuff. So I have a little bit of interest there. Um, I haven't necessarily talked myself into it, but I'm probably going to have some Mostert exposure. He's going to be so, so underowned. Um, he's obviously, we don't even know if he's going to play yet. Like, but it, it looks very similar to like a, an, an Eckler situation. I think he, he almost could have been activated like, like in their last game, but they wanted to give him the bye week. So I'm actually pretty interested in that spot. Um, I, I think that Mostert could, could surprise there. I think at the very least, if you're looking for like a 1% own play, I know we're talking a little bit about Kamara, but I think Mostert is interesting for, for similar reasons. So loaned. Um, and then we got like, what about Brian Hill? Yeah, I was I was going to ask you about him because if I remember correctly, there was a there was a slate last year where Brian Hill ended up being uber chalk. Where all oh, the yeah, Falcons, you're right, where all the Falcons running backs were out, and and you being the 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 one Tevin Coleman truther in the world, you you were actually off of Brian Hill in that spot if I remember correctly, and I think you were one of the only people who weren't into Brian Hill. So I I, I actually had that information in the back of my mind to ask to ask about him because I do. Am I correct on that? Did you not like Brian, yeah, Hill, Brian I, Hill chalk week last I'm week? I'm pretty sure the, that is actually exactly what happened. Now that I remember. Yeah. Yeah. And that was, uh, I don't even remember what that game was, but yeah, there was a game where all those Falcons guys were out. Brian Hill was like 50% owned and I was like all in on him. And then Jeff, I remember last year on DraftKings, show was like, no, don't roster Brian Hill. I was like, God, Jeff's crazy. I'm rostering Brian Hill. And then, and then Brian Hill stunk it up. So with that in mind, do you have any Brian Hill takes this week? Cause I'm probably going to be playing. I'm going to be playing him again this week. Uh, I don't know exactly what my exposure is going to be to him, but I'm probably going to be overweight to the field in a small way, not necessarily super significant, but I do like the matchup against the Raiders. How do you feel about Brian Hill as a value play? Yeah, I think it was week 11 last year. Yeah. He went 15 for 30 and uh, one catch <laughs> sounds, for a yard. Sounds right. Um, <laughs> okay. I, I actually, um, I, I kind of like this spot, to be honest. I'll probably going to use him. Uh, I think he's looked better this year, too. Like, um, th- that's the thing. Like, if you've watched Atlanta play, I mean, we know Todd Gurley is, like, done, dust. Like, you know, except for the red. If, he, if Todd Gurley hasn't been getting, like, the red zone touches, he, he'd be doing nothing this year. For me, when Brian Hill's been on the field, he's looked like the better back. So, um, I think part that's part of it. The other part of that is this is a good matchup, right? Like, the, the Raiders, not the greatest run defense. Maybe they've been a little better, but like, you know, Kansas City hasn't been running the ball well. They're running backs uh, a couple scores last week. Atlanta's going to be at home here. I think that they want to run the ball a little bit after Matt Ryan getting sacked eight, eight freaking times against the Saints. Um, I, I think this is actually a pretty good spot for, for Brian Hill. Um, I think he's looked better too. I think that's the biggest thing. Like, 
he's looked like the most explosive back for Atlanta. So um, I've kind of wanted to see him, you know, maybe get the touches over Todd Gurley. And now we got a chance. So, yeah, I'm actually in on this. Um, a little bit interesting, like the ownership on him isn't gotten crazy either, right? Like, am I wrong about this? No, it's it's pretty low. So actually the only the only skill position player on the entire slate projected for over 20% ownership is Dalvin Cook. Yeah. And I, I think what's happening is there's just a lot of decent but not great plays in the mid-range. So I think a lot of people are building balanced lineups and just mixing different players together. And I think also part of that is that the chalk at the quarterback position is actually the expensive guys this week. So right. I, I think there's also a, a need to save money. Yeah, like this isn't going to be a Mike Davis situation, right? So, I mean, even if even if Hill gets 20%, like I'm fine with that. I mean, he's 4K, right? Like he's the min. Um, no, I, I think it's a good spot. Uh, I'd rather play him over Wayne Gallman, who I know is getting up there as well. Um, he's still in a rotation. Like it's still the Giants. Um, <laughs> yeah, so um I, I i like the spot i do i do i mean i know i i remember now that you brought that up uh the, the brian hill week from last year but um i uh i, I think that this is a, a player who's, who's looked good this year and again um i just feel like it, it's it's conglomeration of things right the spot the matchup i think i think it's the spot where atlanta gives him a decent workload and i think he produces so yeah, the weird things I remember. It's like I remember. I remember Jeff's running back exposure from uh, from week fourteen. I'm surprised of, of I didn't remember that one because one of the <laughs> biggest things I remember in DFS is is the Johnny Manziel week where I was like the only one who said this is the the dumbest play ever, and everyone and everyone else uh, played him. But um, I'm surprised I don't remember that Brian Hill take. Uh, so one more running back I want to touch on, and um, it's actually a guy who in the mid range. The reason I don't like most or well other than I, I I like the other reasons I pointed out that I don't think this yeah. is the best it's matchup and everything it's for most. It's a risky Mostert. play. I 100%, but again, we're talking about like a 1% on play, right? So There's also a guy with similar ownership in the same price range that I like more than him, and that's Miles Gaskin. And once again, this is another guy who we need to get an injury update on, and that is something that's a little annoying is that we're at, you know, about Saturday afternoon, and there's still a bazillion key players listed as questionable that we're waiting yeah. for updates on. Yeah. Uh, but but with Gaskin, Gaskin was playing so well for, for the Dolphins prior to getting hurt, and he was doing everything for them. He was on the field almost every single play. If I remember correctly, it was the last four weeks that he was active. He played 96% of the Dolphins' snaps, which was more than any running back had played in the entire league over that span. So if Gaskin is actually active this week in a plus matchup against the Jets, you look at his consistency earlier in the year before getting hurt, and as long as he doesn't have restrictions – I think that this is a really good spot for him. I think that we could lock in Gaskin for 20-plus touches against the Jets in a spot where they're probably going to need him to run the ball a lot, especially like we talked about before. If two is active and maybe they're a little cautious about the thumb, maybe they just give the ball to to Gaskin 20, 25 times. So I look at him at sub-1% ownership, and as long as he's healthy, I, I think that that's another really strong play. Yeah. I I just do not want any part of this this Miami Jets game mainly the Miami side well I mean look I don't really want to play Jets <laughs> either but you get my point right like um I don't know like, I I definitely understand it like they're they're decent favorites it, it is the Jets and the lead running back against them uh can smash absolutely um and look like I'm not even and you're right like I don't think Gaskin's ownership is going to get up there at all which is really nice he might get a little bit of you know uh up there when, when he's activated uh um tomorrow we assume is going to be but um yeah like i don't think he's going to go crazy or anything he's he's 5700 so he's not uber cheap or anything um i i can understand it i can i could probably even get behind it i just don't think that for me the, the other thing is like miles gaskin just isn't a player that i get super excited about so like i said you know you, you're talking about a pretty big talent difference for me between mostert and uh and Gaskin, most of the player who could go off on like 14 touches. I don't know. I don't think Gaskin has that in him, even against the Jets. So um, I think you need a specific game script. I just, I, I, again, I just, I'm not going there with Miami this week. I, but, but again, some of this could change because we don't know, like you said, we don't even know if two is playing. We don't even know if Gaskin's <laughs> playing. So I guess from a hypothetical standpoint, if it's like Fitzpatrick and Gaskin, um, yeah, I, I would definitely entertain that a lot more. So things do have to break a lot of ways, but I've kind of shut this Miami game out a little bit just because we don't know uh, a lot of what's going on. But my, I think that, you know, if Fitzpatrick is playing and Gaskin obviously active and we get good news, it's a lot more palatable play than if it's like Tua and 
just Gaskin. I, if two is playing, I'm not playing Gaskin. There's no chance. I like that as a tagline for the slate. Week 12, we don't know who's playing. Things could change. That that, that really is where we're at yeah. on Saturday afternoon. Yeah. A lot going to change between now and uh, and, and uh, Locke, obviously. So. so moving over to the wide receiver position, one other player that we know for now definitely isn't in is Adam Thielen, who is on the COVID list, tested positive earlier in the week. And that should set up a big game for Justin Jefferson. Like I said earlier, if you do make lineups that don't have Dalvin Cook in them, I think that Justin Jefferson makes a ton of sense to get into those lineups because Justin Jefferson who's already showing to be one of the higher upside wide receivers in the NFL. Even as a rookie, he's already looked terrific. And I think without Thielen there, it, I think his target share could just be massive this, this week. Favorable, fairly favorable matchup against the Panthers defense. Panthers have uh, been kind of mediocre this year, but I'm more interested in just the workload and the price point of Jefferson. It wasn't all that expensive. Uh, how willing would you be to roster Jefferson potentially in some lineups that don't have Dalvin Cook? Yeah, I, I mean, absolutely willing. You know, I, I, the arguments against Justin Jefferson are it's a it's a really good matchup for Dalvin Cook. Like you typically can run on, on the Panthers a little bit. Um, I think the other argument is Jefferson's been working off of second coverage. Like he's he's been working off of Adam Thielen, right? Like Thielen dragging uh, a lot of coverage in the slot or from where he's working on. He's not going to have that this week. It's going to be his kind of his first time where he's the primary dude. Um, things that it's a big shift. It, it's a big shift in um, how a guy works uh, in an offense. So it's there is again, like I get it. I mean, we're talking about opportunity, and there's going to be more opportunity probably, and probably get a couple more targets. But like it's a shift in how he's working in the offense. So just take keep that in mind. Um, at the same time, like he's not getting overly chalky. So yeah, absolutely. Look, you're making. It, look, again, throughout the hypothetical, you're making 100 lineups, right? Um, who are you going to be overweight on, Dalvin Cook or, or Justin Jefferson? I don't, you don't, the nice thing about Justin Jefferson is it doesn't look like he's gotten to the point where his, his ownership is like going to challenge Dalvin Cook. So you can realistically maybe even be overweight on both those guys, make a couple lineups with both of them in it, right? Um, and, and you can be pretty set. I like this spot. It's just that um, it's not something I necessarily want to be like, oh, super overweight the field on because. I think there's a little bit more uh, concern here. Again, like you got, you've got Johnson now working as the second guy, um, BB there and getting a few snaps and then Kyle Rudolph as well, still going to be involved. So, um, you know, cousins could just work to, to Rudolph in the red zone or something. You're stuck with like 85 yards for Justin Jefferson. So I'm not like overly super crazy about it, I guess is, is the best way to put it. I think that, you know, going the field average, I think realistically, I look at this situation, I would still rather just be overweight down. The yeah. I think that's reasonable. I actually think I'm probably going to be overweight to both of them. I think yeah. I'm going to be overweight to Dalvin Cook. I'm going to be overweight to Justin Jefferson. I'll probably make some Vikings onslaught stacks that are uh, Cook, Jefferson, and Kirk Cousins. Yeah. Uh, but I also think I'm going to make some lineups that are just Cousins and Jefferson. Uh, but I think I'm probably going to be overweight to the Vikings as a whole here just because I think that's such a big piece. Adam Thielen being out of that lineup, there's there's just other usage to go around other yeah. where, it, uh, in other places. And, and I think that it, we could really narrow down who it's going to go to because if it isn't those guys like who else is getting the ball for the vikings uh, yeah that's the thing and, and look maybe we do get like a kyle rudolph two touchdown game we can talk to him, talk about him at tight ends because i do kind of like that play but you're right like the, and, and this is what i said like you can go overweight both those guys i mean you know sure dalvin cook is chalky but it's not like you're taking a huge risk going overweight dalvin cook you don't have to go that crazy to be uh slightly overweight justin jefferson so i think it's a good game to attack 100 i agree with that take um but, you know, one of those guys, I'd probably rather go, again, overweight Cook than Jefferson. Yeah, and, and to make an NBA analogy, this almost feels to me like the Portland Trailblazers who ran like a seven-man rotation last year. Right. And, it, and it's, it's a thing where like, all right, a couple guys get ruled out, and then all of a sudden it's, hey, there's only so many guys that are going to play minutes and get stuff for them. So it's not hard to see a situation where just Jeff where Justin Jefferson gets, you know, 12 targets and Dalvin cook touches the ball 25 to 30 times, just because yep. I look at this Vikings, I look at this Vikings roster and it's like, I don't know who the hell else is getting the ball. I, I, I hear your point. Also, I think Kyle Rudolph is another viable option, but there's just not many places that, that they could be throwing the ball to uh, some of the other wide receivers that I think we need to talk about. And yeah, I'll, I'll set up another one for you, kind of similar to what I did at the quarterback position. We have a handful of not necessarily really chalky wide receivers, but High-priced wide receivers are getting some ownership. Tyree Kill, Calvin Ridley, Keenan Allen, and Stefan Diggs. Of those four, let's say which are your two favorite? That was Diggs, 
Allen, Ridley, and Hill. And also, I'm assuming that Julio Jones doesn't play. Yeah. So, um, okay, just getting the ownership projections up here. Yeah, so so Hill is still the lowest owned projected of those five. Uh, he's 100% my favorite play. Um, this is a player who's averaged 12, I think it's 12.6 targets over his last, like, three or four games. I can't remember right off the top of my head, but it's right around that ballpark. It's insane. Like, this guy's getting a ton, ton of targets. Nobody seems to care. Like, nobody seems to care that Tyreek Hill is basically leading the league. The fastest, most explosive player in the league is leading the league in targets over the last, like, three or four games. Um, fine. Like, I'll be just – I would – this is a spot where I would just feel fine. Like, again, you make 100 lineups. I would almost feel fine going 100% Patrick Mahomes target. That's how good a spot it is at this low ownership, right? Now, look, you're taking a lot of variance – into equation if you're doing that but it's just that's my point i really like the spot um jamal dean is out for the bucks i you know they've been regressing so bad against the wide receiver position uh absolutely give me all the tyree kill there the second the second part to that question is really interesting because Diggs is up there in ownership you gotta like him he's getting good targeting too i admit that Keenan Allen, um, I think if Eckler comes back, might take away his targets a little bit. So that's something, again, obviously we both really like Austin Eckler. Um, Ridley is really interesting in GPPs because I do like Brian Hill. I do think you could play them both. But if you're not playing Brian Hill, Brian Hill's still going to have some ownership. Ridley's not that chalky. Uh, I think that's a good, you know, whatever leverage, whatever you want to call it. Just taking the the Atlanta passing game versus their, their running back is, is an interesting pivot. I like the spot for Ridley, especially with Julio Jones out or likely out. Yeah. So here's the deal with Julio Jones right now, just so we get what his situation is uh, out there. He's listed as questionable right now and he's dealing with a hamstring injury and he's been dealing with a hamstring injury basically the entire year. And he got hurt very early in last week's game. He tried to come back and limped on one play. He actually made a catch and picked up like 20 yeah. yards and then limped off the field and, and was done for the rest of the game. So, I mean, Julio Jones only played a handful of snaps, got targeted twice, holding catches on both of them with a bum hamstring. And yeah, so I just assume that he's he's not going to play because th- there's nothing the Falcons are really playing for. They want him to be 100% totally healthy. I assume they don't want to do any long-term damage to him. So with that in mind, I think Calvin Ridley is probably in line for a pretty big week and yeah a lot of these guys are good plays like you mentioned Tyree Kill he's been producing a ton lately and he's probably going a little bit under owned uh Calvin Ridley without Julio Jones and then Stefan Diggs Casey Hayward's out for the Chargers so that right. that secondary is is an yep. issue um actually I have Keenan Allen fourth amongst those those four guys uh but the other three I'm probably gonna all be overweight to and then Keenan Allen probably a little bit underweight yeah, no, I think that's, again, I think we're, we're in lockstep this week with a lot of this because I, it's pretty much exactly how I'm looking at it. Um, you know, again, Allen, and then look, he, they do have Tredavious White back there and, and like Micah Hyde and, and stuff like that. So it's a pretty good secondary he's going up against. I just can't see Buffalo being, doing what the, the Jets did and just being like, okay, Keenan Allen's catching 15 passes. I just can't see them. I, I think the opposite will happen where you got, you got to beat us with someone else. Like I think Buffalo is at least smart enough to, to do something like that. So um, I, I just don't really love the spot quite frankly. And especially if he's going to be up there as like the third highest on player. Yeah. But again, this, some of this depends on Eckler. So let's just pray he prays Greg. So we don't have to like, you know, change everything uh, last minute, but um yeah, it's an again an interesting slate because we have high priced quarterbacks to pair with high priced wide receivers, and and they're all getting some ownership. But uh, I don't think any of these guys are going super chalky either, which is really interesting. So, yeah, I think this is uh, set up as an interesting one. So one contrarian play that I like at wide receiver. Nobody's really on him. Nobody's really been on him for for most of the season, especially not lately. Michael Thomas at seventy four hundred. Like I said at the top of the show, when we were talking about Taysom Hill. He looked fairly competent throwing the football, particularly on some of those short slant routes, which is really what what Michael what Michael Thomas has thrived in from a fantasy perspective in the Saints offense. More of a DraftKings play for me than a FanDuel play, but I mean, look at Michael Thomas, 12 targets last week, called in nine of them for 104 yards. Just given that much work that he's getting in the Saints offense, maybe some of the limitations that Taysom Hill has throwing the ball downfield, this just sets up perfectly for being another spot where Michael Thomas gets double-digit targets, hauls in a bunch of them, only has like 10 yards or so per catch, but not a big deal when we're getting all those PPR points. And given that he's so low-owned, I think that he's a good contrarian play. Any interest in Michael Thomas, or would you rather just pay up for some of those other guys that we already talked about? I definitely have interest. Um, It's a question of, like, do you want to burn one of your spots 
Again, we're talking about 100 lineups. Yeah, absolutely. I'd be overweight to field Michael Thomas. Like, that's that's not even, like, a question. I love it. You know, like, 3% own guys like this. It's very – it's a little bit similar to Moster, but I think it's actually a better play than Moster. You don't need much exposure. And uh, we have – you know, obviously we have one game of him working with Taysom Hill to, to work off of here. Um, this, this is a Denver secondary that's been beat up most of the time. They do have a pretty good pass rush still, which is again, the, the scary factor for going up, uh, you know, with Taysom Hill as your quarterback. But um, I, again, I, I, you know, all of his targets went to Michael Thomas last week. Like it was surprising, uh, but maybe we shouldn't be surprised. This is still like the best wide receiver in the league. And, you know, whatever his issues were with, um, with Drew Brees in the first game, they came back. I mean, he looks maybe he's just healthier like I, I don't know but yeah. um this is it's, it's an interesting spot for sure again I think the question is if you're making single entry three max lineups do you want to burn um a spot with Michael Thomas over say getting exposure to Steph Diggs uh it, it's an interesting discussion for sure I I, I don't not sure exactly what side of that I Leon it might be just uh you know a little bit slim for me at that point, price but it's definitely in the discussion. I, I think there's a lot of potential for, you know, this Michael Thomas Taysom Hill thing to just keep working out. If, if Taysom Hill feels comfortable to Michael Thomas, he's just going to throw him the ball every time. And it makes perfect sense in, from that perspective. Right. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm interested again, hundred lineups definitely would go overweight single entry lineups. I don't know yet. Uh, probably might be a little too thin, but it's, it's definitely, it's in the discussion at the very least. All right, so let's touch on some of the value at wide receiver. Uh, one spot that stands out to me is the Jaguars. And even though they have Mike Lennon starting a quarterback, if you if you look at some of the social media posts that Mike Lennon's, that <laughs> well, Mike Lennon's saying, he's like, hey, guess what? I might never start a quarter. I may never play quarterback in the NFL again. So he's like, I'm just going to air it out. He's like, he's like, screw it. I'm, I'm taking chances. I want to put up some numbers. Yeah. So I look at that. And then I look at all the injuries too. I mean, DJ Chark's out. Chris Conley's out. So then you start to look and go like, whoa, who's he going to throw to? And I don't know, Keelan Cole, LaVisca Chenault. And then you look at these guys' prices, 3600 for Cole, 3300 for Chenault. I think both of them make for great value plays. I wouldn't necessarily play them in the same lineup together, but yeah. I, think this is, I think this is a really strong way to, uh, to, to save some salary. Oh, man, oh, man. Yeah, this, this Mike Lennon thing, I don't know. Um, do you have a preference on one of them? I, I think I would probably just play Cole, but um, I think Cole is more likely to work the slot a little bit and just get end up getting like eight to ten targets. Uh, so that's kind of my take there. Chenault is is more of a gadget play, so I think you might need him. Like, and look, he could happen. Like, he could break like a, a screen or something. But I think Cole's probably the play here. Uh, he's he's more of like the professional wide receiver. I think he'd get worked just kind of in the slot by Glennon. So, yeah. Uh, I laugh just because, you know, it's, it's just so sick, like trying to play like a, a little bit of a slightly chalky play with Mike Glennon, but it makes, look, it does make a lot of sense. Um, one of these guys probably going to end up with like six catches at the very least at 3,600. That's, that's big. Right. So I think I'm in on Cole um, as a, as a consideration here again. Um, you know, we don't have like, I don't have a, a ton of other wide receivers on my list down here or anything like guys, like I'm super bullish on or, or anything like that. I think that, uh, Keelan Cole makes the the most sense. Uh, I'm probably, I think I'm done chasing KJ Hamler. Um, so yeah, I like it, it. It does feel like Cole is is the player for me. Um, not sure if you have a different take, but yeah, I, I kind of like it. I do. I admit it sounds sick, but it, it's tough to say, but we'll say this guys. If you like the video right now, you are guaranteed to get the the correct value play from the, <laughs> from the Jaguars wide receiver core. If you, if, if we get this video to 200 likes before the end of the show, then whoever you roster between Keelan Cole and LaVisca Chenault, guaranteed for at least oh, five fantasy points. Lock it let's in. Throw Tyler Eifert in there too, though, Greg, because <laughs> I haven't got to my cheap tight end pick yet. So yeah, hit that like and I'll give you who I think is going to be the best cheap tight end play. It might be, it might be Eifert, it might be Kyle Rudolph. Uh, by the way, I am going to side with Keelan Cole just because of the target share in the last couple of weeks. Uh, last two games, 12 targets for Keelan Cole. Chenault only four targets in the last two games. Like I said, I think both are viable, but I, I do lean a little bit towards uh, t- towards Cole over Chenault. Uh, before we move on to the tight end position, guys, you can get access to all the great Awesome o Plus tools and content from nearly every DFS sport there with an Awesome o Plus weekly pass for $29.95. This includes full access to all the premium content tools on awesomeo.com, including player projections, 
ownership projections, our premium Slack channel, and much, much more. And if you're only looking to play NFL, then get sign up for our weekly NFL package for $14.95 or give our NFL weekly express pass a shot for only $3.95. Stop guessing, start winning, join Awesomeo Plus today. So with that in mind, Jeff, spill the beans. Who is the top tight end value play of the week? So I think, yeah, I, I do think Rudolph and, uh, and, and Eifert are, are both in play, like se- severely in play. I was, I was all over Eifert uh, at the beginning of the week. He's slightly cheaper. Um, I think that, you know, Cleveland, again, they're, they're not the worst team against the, guarding against the tight end. They're one of the worst. I think Eifert has a really good shot of finding the end zone here this week. Uh, it's probably his best chance for the rest of the year to get a touchdown. Um, I, I think I think Rudolph though has better upside. Like we've seen Rudolph go off before with Kirk Cousins. Yeah. You know, like either it's just like an insane all of a sudden he's getting like eight targets, ten targets, or he just finds him in the end zone twice. So I do really like uh, the spot for Eifert to pay off, but I think the the better upside lies with Rudolph. Um, I, I think this. I think if Justin Jefferson ends up busting, it's because Kyle Rudolph went nuts this week, um, and I, I think that at twenty eight hundred. I will have me some Kyle Rudolph shares. Um, so I like both these guys for cheap tight end picks, um, but I think you got to side with Rudolph. Yeah, I agree with you. And then getting back to what I talked about before with the Vikings, and, and we didn't mention this, but Irv Smith is also doubtful play this week. So yeah, assuming Irv Smith's out. Yeah. yeah. That's uh, Ir- thinking. No, no Irv Smith, no Adam Thielen, and just who else is Cousins going to throw the ball to, right? It's going to be a lot of touches for Jefferson, a lot of touches for Cook, and then I guess Kyle Rudolph. Uh, I, I, if you had to pick somebody who's going to get the second most targets in the Vikings passing game, I would probably go Rudolph. Would you disagree yeah. with that? Yeah. And that's the whole thinking, right? That, that they just end up, you know, Kyle, that uh, Kirk Cousins just ends up, you know, just chucking to Rudolph as a security blanket here instead of, instead of feeling uh, he just chooses the slow footed dude who he's comfortable with. Um, you know, again, he can work out of the slot a little bit. He's not a great slot receiver, but again, it's a big body for cousins to throw to. I think that's got some legs. Um, so, and again, I'd rather trust that spot than, than trusting, uh, you know, the Eifert Glennon connection. So um, yeah, a, a better matchup for Eifert though. Again, I have to say, I, I did kind of like him really in the week, but I, I'm aside with Rudolph <laughs> now that all the injuries, you know, with Irv Smith. So. Yeah. I mean, I mean, the only other way to get guaranteed points from Tyler Eifert is like I said, you like the video and then you're, and then you're guaranteed to get the points from the Jaguars <laughs> receiving core. But yeah, other, other than that, it's going to be, it's going to be tough to figure out. Uh, the high-priced players at the position and the chalk, we've got Darren Waller and Travis Kelsey. I think in cash games, you probably want to roster one of these two guys. Uh, I lean a little bit towards Kelsey in this spot. Waller was great last week against the Chiefs, but in general, hasn't really been as high of a floor player as I expected he was going to be this year. I mean, we look at the last four weeks, and yeah, 22 fantasy points last week was great. But before that, six fantasy points against the Broncos, uh, 13 against the Chargers, a 10-target game, that was fine. And then just eight fantasy points against the Browns. Overall, Darren Waller hasn't been nearly as consistent as Kelsey. So I look at the two of them. I prefer to pay up for Kelsey in cash games. How about you? Between Waller and Kelsey, I know you were a Patrick Mahomes guy this week. You also like yeah. Tyree Kill, but where does Travis Kelsey fit in the mix for you? Yeah, I'm, I mean, look, I've, as far as tournaments, like I'm 100% just stacking the wide receivers against uh, Tampa. That's the way I'm going to play. You know, Sammy Watkins is back. I'm going to even have like a double stack there. Um, I think that's in play, but you know, Kelsey's fine. Um, yeah, cash games that he's definitely in the mix. Uh, I think Hunter Henry's in the mix for a cash game, but I do actually think you can punt it like in, in Cal. I think Cal Rudolph is a fine punt play, to be honest. You can get like, uh, you know, Dalvin Cook and Rudolph uh, double exposure there, but yeah, I, if I was at cash game, I'd, I'd go Kelsey over Waller. Uh, it's better upside. Um, Waller has been, you know, again, in games where the Raiders are winning, like Waller has had a couple bus games, right? So I know it's Atlanta probably going to pass. I don't think he's like a terrible player or anything, but um, yeah, I'd probably try and get up to Kelsey there. I do like Hunter Henry though. Um, again, and some of this is Austin Eckler related. If Eckler doesn't play, like I'll probably move my Chargers exposure to Hunter Henry um, or at least think about it. Right. Uh, I think it's a good, good matchup again, Buffalo been one of the worst against tight ends. I might even play him with Eckler in some lineups because he's still pretty cheap. Right. So uh, I like the spot for a potential like Hunter Henry explosion game He's getting consistent targets. We just haven't seen that big game. Like, he's got a couple touchdowns. We haven't really seen that big, like, 100-yard game or, like, where he just gets a couple more targets. But maybe, again, with the way Buffalo's set up, they kind of funnel to the tight end position. Um, 
maybe this is the week where just Keenan Allen just has a little bit of a, a subpar game and the targets go to under Henry. I could see that happening. I, I really do like Henry. If I'm playing Justin Herbert, I, I would definitely want him in my lineup. For him. Yeah, I've played a decent amount of Hunter Henry this week uh, with with mixed results. Uh, mostly, though, because, I mean, if, if you played any tight end a lot this year, you probably got bad results out of them because tight end's been terrible this year. Yep. But Hunter Henry, at least six targets in all but two games this season. Yep. Uh, last last two games, he has been better. He was definitely somebody to stack with Herbert over the last couple of weeks. Uh, caught a touchdown pass against the Dolphins. Caught a touchdown pass against the Jets. He's getting a lot of work in the red zone this year, and the targets are there. I think his upside is a little bit capped, except also given the the target share he has, I think he has a decent enough floor. I don't necessarily think I'm going to get to him this week, though. I prefer to either go all the way down or all the way up at tight end. He's kind of in no man's land for me at 4,800. It's a spot where I either want to, you know, punt with like Kyle Rudolph, as we said, or I'm going to make the space to get up to Kelsey. Uh, one other point on Kelsey versus Darren Waller before we move on is that you, you look at Kelsey's recent results. I mean, at least 22 fantasy points in five of his last six games, and then 12 targets, 12 targets, 10 targets in his last three games, went over 100 yards in all of them. That's why I think Travis Kelsey is the safest tight end play on the slate. There's there's just so much work there that that it's yeah. hard to see him really busting. Yeah, and again, you, you just you can't run against Tampa. Like, you just can't do it, right? So uh, probably another game where Mahomes throws 40-plus times. Um, and, and, you know, again, I'm planning – to, that the targets are going to like Hill and Watkins, but look, it still could go to Kelsey. Kelsey's basically a wide receiver out there. So it's not like uh, if he has a big game, it's going to be a huge shock. All right. So let's talk about these defenses, Jeff. Are there let's any of them? Favorite. Are there any of them that you really like this week? I like the Steelers defense a lot earlier in the week, but Hey, guess what? They're, they're not on the slate now. So nothing I could do about that. Greg, take, you know, come on, take a risk, buddy. Stop paying up for defenses. Get on my level and roster the New York Jets this week. Yeah, I'm probably not going to do that. But try to Come sell on. me on. Try, try to sell. Try to sell me on him. I don't. I mean, look, it's Tua. He's he's playing bad. I mean, look, the Jets got Darnold back. They gotta win a game at some point, Greg. They gotta. They gots to do it. Do they? I, do I they? actually. I'm. I am. I am honestly using the Jets this week. Um, look, obviously, this is a price play. They're 2100. What do we need from them? Ten points? Eight points? You'll probably be pretty happy. Um, you know, we talked about this is a slate. There's high price quarterbacks to pay up for. There's high price wide receiver stacks. This is a part of the way you can get access to it. I, I, I can't, and again, I can't emphasize this enough. Two has looked horrible as a starting quarterback. I want him to play so badly this week um, because I do think this is a spot where the Jets can, can just do a little bit, just do enough to put them in the hunt. Darnold's going to be out there. They should be driving the ball a little bit better. I'm playing the Jets 2100. It's probably going to suck, but they're really cheap at least, so. Yeah, I mean, for the price, I I don't really think you'd go wrong with with rostering a mid price defense. Personally, I'd rather roster the Broncos defense at twenty two hundred because even though Taysom Hill looked competent in his first quarterback start, I'm yeah. not totally sold on him. Like, I I don't think that Taysom Hill is some you know world beater at quarterback. At the very least, I don't think a defense going up against him warrants being nearly min price. So with, with that in mind, and also because Taysom Hill looked a little iffy throwing the ball deep downfield. I think the Broncos have a chance to force some turnovers. Uh, if I have to punt at defense, I'm a little more apt to go to the Broncos than the Jets. Uh, but like I always say with defense, it's a mix and match for me. I'm never really all that committed to one defense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, this is this is a slate. I'm, I'm probably definitely want to go cheap on. And again, it comes down to construction. Um, I'm just glad that, you know, well, again, it doesn't become as good a play for me if, if Fitzpatrick plays. And I'm probably going to hate it a little bit more. And I might even think about switching to the Broncos if Fitzpatrick plays, but like if Tua plays, I really feel like it's a good opportunity for the Jets defense to, to do something and, and maybe just grab, um, you know, some kind of a, a pick six. And look, it's not like Brian Fitzpatrick ha- can't throw three interceptions in a game. He has, he has had his moments uh, in the NFL too. So again, I, I think that it, it comes down to a construction thing. It comes down to a bit of a matchup play. Uh, you do have the Broncos against Taysom Hill. Like I, like I said earlier, they still have a good pass rush. I think they're in play too. I, but I just think that from when you're looking at the slate as a whole, we have, we've talked about so many high priced quarterbacks. How do you get exposure to that and fit in and get like one more stud like Dalvin cook, you go really cheap at defense. And I think this is the week to do it. Um, I understand like I, you know, um, th- there's some good high price defenses up there. The giants are interesting. Obviously if you can get up to them. I don't hate that play. Although I assume they're going to be, yeah, they're the chalkies playing the slate, not a shock. Um, so something to think about there too. You're, you're, you're getting kind of a chalky Giants defense, but I like going cheap, man. That is, uh, I'll, I'll be going cheap in as many lineups as possible. 
All right, so the free content of the day on Osmo.com is the top stacks tool. So with that in mind, Jeff, who is your favorite stack of the week to wrap up the show? Yeah, if it wasn't obvious by now, it's Patrick Mahomes and Tyree Kill. Uh, we didn't talk much about the Tampa Bay skill players, but I think he can come back with Antonio Brown there, 5,700. He's definitely would have fit in like in that uh, value tier of wide receivers. We had a bit more time to talk about them. Ton of targets, uh, should be a good spot um, to, to come back with him. And again, if you're playing Mahomes, you know, you can think about maybe throwing Sammy Watkins in there. It wouldn't shock me. That's how bad the, the, the secondary has been for Tampa against wide receivers the last little bit. Well, so bad that Sammy Watkins could play well outside of a week one. Yeah, outside, well, this is like week one for Sammy because he's coming back from injury. So it's like another week one for Sammy Watkins. Love it. Second week one for Sammy Watkins. That, that is a good point. Maybe this maybe this resets the season and it counts as exactly. second week one. That's, that's the narrative. Uh, for me, I'm going to go with Kirk Cousins to Justin Jefferson. I think that is the leverage play of the slate. I definitely wouldn't play Cousins in a cash game. But still, I look at tournaments and with Dalvin Cook being the highest owned player on the slate, I think this every touchdown that Cousins throws to either Kyle Rudolph or throws to Justin Jefferson, that's a touchdown that Dalvin Cook isn't scoring. So for tournaments, I think that's a good way to go. That is going to wrap up the show for today. Uh, Guys, don't forget to hit that like button, subscribe to the channel. Other shows coming up today, we have On the Contrary and then MMA Live Before Lock for a totally revamped main event. So check out what Pete and Jason have to say about that one. That'll do it for us today. Jordan, play the music.